Of the living <laughs> Hello and welcome to this week's Giant Sword Podcast. I am your host, Nick Lind. With me, to my side, of course, are my noble and hairy are Taylor Hoyt. Hello. Hi. Way big pause right there. I was trying to think of something clever and nothing came out. <laughs> I think you have to do that before we start. Yeah. Also, Connor White. Greetings, adventurer. And with us again is our special guest, Ben Moore of Easy Allies. Howdy. Woo! Thanks for uh, coming back on. I'm glad we didn't scare you off too bad. <laughs> no, I had a really good time last time, so I'm sure I'll have a great time again. All right, cool, man. Well, let's jump right into it. We'll talk about some... Uh, some recent stuff that's been going on like first of all we just wanted to you know you're the conductor of the trails of cold steel 2 hype train so you know if you just give us the all aboard call just talk about how excited you are for that yeah man choo choo let's go trails of cold steel <laughs> dude you caught so on to my bit okay, okay so what you need to do is you need to convince taylor to finish this game before the sequel comes out uh okay so the thing about trails of cold steel 2 is like, it, it's not a traditional sequel. It is actually part two of the story. Oh, wow. And okay. So every, this game is going to come out. Everyone's going to be talking about it. And everyone's going to be like, this is so good. This is such a great JRPG. You need to play this. You need to play this. Well, you can't play it because you won't be able to appreciate it because you will actually be jumping into the middle of the story you, you if you can't, don't play you, the first You one. can't appreciate it if you play the second one first. You can't. Is that what you're saying? I'm saying, yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying you wouldn't be able to appreciate it at all on any level, but... Uh, they really intend for you to play part one first. Okay, well, so. I actually didn't really know it was like like that. So yeah. m- maybe I guess we do have some work to do, Taylor. You yeah. could beat it in a month, guys. I, I don't know. I mean, I got to finish No Man's Sky. I got to finish Tokyo Mirage Sessions. Okay, we already Kirby had a discussion Robobot. with Ben off podcast <laughs> that you don't need to fin- You've already finished No Man's Sky. <laughs> and so, so anyways, anyways, Trails of Cold Steel 2. Yeah. Okay, so are they like innovating on the first one or is it really just like spiritually and mechanically identical in a continuation of the first? Um, it, is, it is not identical. There is There are some new mechanics um, and a lot of the, char- the characters that are in your party are brand new as well. So there's, and you also go to brand new places. So it is not identical to the first one. I think there, like, there's a lot of new things to appreciate. But uh, from a narrative perspective, it is a direct continuation. It, I think it starts right when the last one ends. Yeah, okay. it's like right immediately. Oh, um, wow. But you mentioned that it's different characters. So no, it's, just, uh, it's, same- it's the same characters, but there are a bunch of new ones that come on board. Oh, so. okay, cool. Uh, I think a good way to think about it is. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Xenosaga trilogy on PS2, but uh, kind of like that. You okay. Know, you wouldn't you wouldn't want to start with Xenosaga Part Three. Yeah, it'd be a little little awkward just because so many things in the first two inform the events the events of the third. So and yeah, the most frustrating thing, guys, is that there's so much I want to talk about Cold Steel Two, but I can't because it's going to spoil everything for you guys. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, Nick keeps telling me the. Like, the end of the game is this, just this massive cliffhanger. And we're like, oh, okay, well. Just like Trails in the Sky Part 1 was also a massive cliffhanger. Yeah. <laughs> no, well, it's, it, I, go ahead, Nick. It's, the wor- it's a cliffhanger, but it's just crazy, the ending. It's just so, like, so much stuff happens at, in that ending. And you're like, oh, man, I can't wait to continue. 
and then it just got away to you. coming up. Yeah. Okay. So what happened was um, Kathleen sent me the drama uh, for Trails of Cold Steel, the little drama CD things. Uh, and she, I was like, oh, what's this? It's like, oh, these are like little skits that you could read that gives backstory to the characters. And I'm like, okay. And then I see on the side it says Trails of Cold Steel pre-order uh, two pre-order now. I'm like, wait. Can you pre-order this now? And she's like, "Yeah." And I look at it, and it comes out September sixth. I'm like, <laughs> "How did I miss this?" Yeah, you of all people. I know. I, yeah, I thought it wasn't coming out till like November or something like that. Comes out November sixth. Well, Taylor, and- we're challenged to play Cold Steel one, so we extend that to any listeners who have not as well. You you've been challenged, and you are still on. You're in, you're you're ahead. You're on. Uh, Don't you wag your s- finger in front school, of my face? The school <laughs> trip too. The second school trip. So. Field study. Yeah. I I do think it's kind of a shame that it's stuck on PS3 and Vita. I don't think that, that does it too many favors, but it's still great regardless. Wait, yep. Trails of Cold Steel 2 is coming out on PS3 and Vita? Yeah. Yeah, oh, same, that's, that's when the first one came out. Oh, wow. On that's well. really trippy. So it really is just mirroring it. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, the Vita version's fine. I mean, playing it on the PS3, though, was... It's like there's no frame. It's 60 frames per second. No frame oh, really? drops. It's perfect. Huh. But uh, you, like the, you know, Vita version's fine. Well, maybe if our PlayStation Neo dreams come true, we'll be able to play it on our PS4 someday. Yeah, since both of you guys have gimpy launch PS4s that spit out the disc. Yeah. Ben, has that hey, ever happened my, to you? No. Oh, yeah. About a month ago, it started doing it. So now oh. I have to have, like prop my PS4 up. Oh my on, god. On like a Zelda book. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty ghetto over here. Wait, I'm the last survivor, dude. I'm sorry to hear that. So wait, do you tilt it back so the discs won't spit out, or is it literally just raised off the ground a little bit? So it's like raised up and then off a ledge. So the front part of the console is just it's just air there, and that makes it so it doesn't spit anything out. Oh, interesting. I'll have to try that because yeah, mine. I bought No Man's Sky digitally because I didn't want to have it spit the disc out in the middle of like me exploring and that game saves in weird spots so yeah yeah well this concludes the giant sword podcast it segment <laughs> we actually all work at geek squad on uh during the weekdays exactly so. yeah we know how to fix that problem you turn the ps4 upside down and then you open it we'll see first you get a sledgehammer right <laughs> and then you find four hundred dollars and you just buy yourself a new one no <laughs> <laughs> problem solved um, all right so speaking yeah. of uh ps4 we have heard rumors that Final Fantasy 15 is going to be delayed until November, at least, was it? Yeah, so this comes from a website that I've never heard of called Gamenesia or something. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but basically they have sources at GameStop saying that they got um, like promotional materials that are coming in. Uh, by the time this podcast goes out, they, supposedly those materials will already have been out. But so they're, supposedly they're supposed to come out August 14th, which is... Sunday, and uh, on them it says uh, it's delayed till November 29th, which is a Tuesday, which is normally when you know games will come out here. But um, I don't know, I, like you know, games getting delayed sucks, right? Like it's I think we just have to accept that at some point. But for fi- like for Final Fantasy so 15, inevitable. it's getting ridiculous, right? It's like we've already waited 10 years. Like really, you're going to delay this? Really? So sorry, what did you say? I kind of didn't hear what you said. Oh, and I was just saying, it's good. it felt so inevitable with this game in particular. Did you feel that way, Ben? Yeah, I mean, I, I had the, I, I played it a bunch at E3. I played the first three hours, and oh wow, you know, I, I don't know if you guys heard or not, but we had a, 
we did impressions during E3, and you were you were not you were worried. Yeah, like. yeah, I because it was it was super rough from a, from a technical standpoint. At the very least, uh, there were a lot of things in it that were like, man, I can't believe this game is coming out in a couple of months. It doesn't seem as though it is in a state to come out. And I remember giving those impressions and getting a lot of flack for it. Um, and seeing this delay, I, I think it's for the best. I mean, if, if what I saw is is kind of indicative of maybe there what is more to work on, you know, I, I think they're they're making the right call. Um, I would much rather have this game come out in November and be in a more polished state than come out in September and get better after a bunch of patches. So sure. <laughs> That's funny that you said people gave you some flack for that opinion because I think Final Fantasy fans are kind of like sports fans with their favorite team, you know? Yeah. It's like if an opinion, like rational or not, kind of like goes against the grain with their their fandom, it's like, ah! And, you know, you go into frenzy mode. Yeah, and what was weird to me, and I don't think I've had happen with a game in a long time, maybe with Halo a little bit, but uh, it was like, because I was being critical, I hated Final Fantasy. That, like that, and, right. Or like because I was such a big Persona fan, of course I would want Final Fantasy to fail. And it's just it, it was a lot of stuff like that that really uh, just didn't add up or make any sense to me whatsoever. But that's the fun of the internet, as yeah. you, as you know better than all of us. Yeah, I just, it's all right though. <laughs> I just realized this could be true if the Neo is coming out. What if they're delaying it so it could take advantage of the Neo? Uh, that makes a lot of sense. Because there's a thing going on in September, right? A little PlayStation event? Yeah. Oh, and you guys were conjecturing that that's where they'll have like a big special on how the Neo release. Right. Yeah. And, you and know. For, for anybody who might know, what's the Neo? It's supposedly like a halfway iteration of the PlayStation 4. It'll apparently have the same, you know, uh, OS. A up version. Yeah. Ba- basically, it'll games will run a little bit better it might be faster you know whatever here's here's the thing as i really think that's an interesting idea about final fantasy 15 being delayed to take advantage of the neo but i can't imagine that ending well for them like here you have this game that's not only taken forever to come out but it has been delayed multiple times and then you say well you get the best version on this system that you have to buy like yeah i i don't know i think that would uh rub a lot of people the wrong way yeah and i, I think that like like this game have taken so long to come out like it has and all the delays like like you said it's like i refuse to believe that they have like the skills of planning to make those things coincide like that you know it's like it seems like they're kind of flying by the seat of their pants at this point which is pretty normal for a game and, and a project of this size you know but uh, yeah, I don't think they're that coordinated. Mm-hmm. Well, s- since I worked at GameStop, I do have insider knowledge. Oh yeah. So I'll be getting. Do we have to bleep out when you said GameStop right there? No, I don't. <laughs> Back work when I worked at. I don't work there anymore, so it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. But uh, I'll probably find out if it's true or not soon. If what's true or not? The rumor if they oh, have oh, signage. Because right. yeah, it is still for now just a rumor. Although maybe by the time this episode comes out, we will know more. So. We'll find out. How was it to work at GameStop? How was it? Yeah. <sighs> it was that cool. Good, that good, huh? Okay. It, was, it was cool. Like, you met cool people. Like, everyone I met, all, all the cool customers were JRPG fans. So it was pretty funny. That's awesome. Like, and then... Well, from your perspective, yeah. Yeah, because they're, they're the most talkative and then, like, the nicest. And then you always get the... 
the annoying, you know, Call of Duty frat boys. Yeah. And the then... mom with like four kids hanging off. She's like, I need Call of Duty. I need blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I need Grand Theft Auto. Oh, <laughs> okay, man. I have so many stories that I don't know. We shouldn't. We could probably go after. After the podcast, I could tell you, but <laughs> yeah, you know. go off the rails. But <laughs> it's 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 all right. The customer, like I worked there for three years, and the customers made me go crazy after oh, a I while. Bet. So, yeah. what are you gonna do? Retail yeah. like that? I mean, the GameStop itself was fine. I mean, sometimes I guess I just worked at a really cool GameStop because the managers weren't like you know we need all these numbers. We need to get we need to get pre-orders and mm. get power up mm. pro cards and all the credit cards. So. A little more laid back. A little more laid back. Cool. So just real quick, we'll just go around the horn. Do we believe that this rumor is true? or do, And do we want it to be true? Maybe even. Like, what do you think, Connor? Uh, ben, Ben, you go first. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I want to play Final Fantasy XV. So in that sense, you know, I'm, I'm a little disappointed. And I don't want the rumor to be true. But I think just... Based on what I've played, I I definitely think it's true. I think it is going to happen, and I do think it's probably for the best. Um, or at least I hope it's for the best. Uh, and so, yeah, I I really think it's true. Hmm, okay. I say it 100%. I mean, just undoubtedly, it will be delayed. Hmm. Yeah, I like... Any I, optimism over there, Taylor? I... I think I'm kind of on the same boat as Ben. Like, I don't want it to be delayed. Like, nobody likes delays, especially for how long we've waited. And then that kind of gets into weird territory of, like, it comes around out near, like, after Call of Duty and Pokemon and stuff like that. So it could be affected by other games, you know? Um, but if if it means we get a better game, then I'm all for that. So I, I don't know. Yeah, obviously, that's the, the number one concern because... At this point, like one month of waiting is kind of like, you know, water we, under the bridge at this point. We've waited for it for nine years. We could wait two months. But my, I don't, I, I hope it's delayed mm-hmm. because I have more time to play Trials of Cold Steel 2. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's the only that's reason. That's a fair perspective, actually. I mean, that's like a week in between, right? Mm-hmm. In uh, a couple weeks. Well, it comes out September 30th. Well, as of now. <laughs> oh, okay. I could be cr- Trails of Cold Steel before then. then. So I'm, I'm fine whatever way. For sure. Well, uh, moving on to our next item in uh, recent news here, we want to talk about this game, Lost Soul Side. So, which one of you guys wants, wants uh, to kind of just? I think I kind of introduced it to the group. So, there's this. Um, I, I want to. Do you happen to have the trailer's names like B- Bing Yang? I think. Yeah, I think he's Bing, a Bing. Uh, yeah, he's a solo uh, developer, um, and he basically, from what I understand, he took pre-existing assets or something from the unreal 4 engine store and made this like really awesome looking game and it basically looks like some type of like rpg in, like in, hack and slash or in something. my estimation it kind of like visually looks like an animated out version of god of war hack and slash sure. fast pace action rpg kind of thing okay yeah that makes sense and it looks like what uh scalebound should have been Okay. <laughs> There's no dragons, but <laughs> sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I think the thing that people are really latching onto is that it, for what it is, it's super impressive that it's made by one dude. Um, like, if it was made by, like, a team of, like, 100 people, they'd be like, ooh, there's some rough edges. Like, the draw distance isn't great. And, like, when he starts flying, like, the the textures really kind of show. Um, but, it, yeah, I just – I was kind of blown away that it was made by one guy, and he's 
I think he said he's like a student or something like that. And once, uh, you know, he's really ready to kind of do a Kickstarter or something like that, he'll like try to get some more people on. But um, yeah, we're just trying to get some impressions of what you guys thought of it. Because we brought it up in a, a podcast a few weeks back, but we didn't actually watch the episode so right well now we've all seen it so uh ben when you just saw that kind of without any introduction what were your first impressions uh it's always a good sign i think when you watch a trailer for anything and you say i want that you know like even if you don't know anything about it or the history behind it or what the story is like it just it looks like it plays so well and looks so good and then you learn it's by one guy and it's it's even more impressive so yeah it kind of gives it a little charm almost you know like you're rooting for this guy you know Mm -hmm. yeah and what this one person did looks better than some things i've seen made by you know 50 people or 100 people so it's yeah it's very cool it looks like a game that would appeal to me for Mm -hmm. sure well, you had mentioned, I think, b- before we started the pod, that it's really hard to capture that style of fast-paced combat where each of your attacks like carries a certain weight, but also like gives you the freedom to like have really fast-paced and like wacky, blistering combat. Yeah, it's like really hard to kind of nail down that exact balance, a la God of War. But it looks like he's on the right path. Yeah, it's so funny because when you go on internet forums, a lot of times you see like, you know, I want Platinum Games to take this license and do something with it, or I want Platinum Games to like work on this or this or this, and you like you get all these fantastical, crazy ideas. And I think the reason people do that is because no one makes action games that feel as good as Platinum Games, you know. And uh-huh. doing that is not an easy thing. Um, and if this guy can even get somewhat close to that, I think that's remarkable. Yeah, this crazy soul who's undertaking this project. But yeah, there's, there's some parts in the trailer, like you said, where there's some rough edges where if it was a big team making it, you'd be like, oh, guys, you're kind of screwing up here. But it's mm. like, you it's, could, it's pretty endearing just to know, like, one guy, you know, yeah. just you, the one man team. You could tell that it's, like, extremely early from that trailer. But the battle, it's like, what intrigues me is the environments the environments look really good mm-hmm. like, yeah, w- when it's not cool. like way you know when you're in the air and stuff like that but when like everything about it is uh, well, it, it was funny too because he had like 18 cuts in a row of the guy running through different areas it's like he can run and he can also walk. run more <laughs> and then he can walk <laughs> yeah and now look he can also walk mm-hmm. but yeah the battle system just ugh, i always talk about this game Always, it just reminded me of Tales of Destiny remake battles the battle system. Just mm. crazy combos you could do in air, and like even like the lines remind me of Leon's moves. Just, kind of was, juggling and yeah, stuff. it just looked yeah. cool. I'm like, man, I want to play this. Mm. And well, that being said, it's almost kind of like only loosely a JRPG, just in stylistically. You know, it's like mostly an, a- an action game by everything I can tell. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty unclear what kind of game it is, what the story is going to be, like what the how you even play through it but yeah like most of that trailer was just the combat so yeah it'll be interesting to see how that shapes up whenever he decides to kind of go full production but either way it's uh impressive nonetheless yeah definitely uh listeners if you haven't seen that trailer check it out for lost soul aside a-s-i-d-e interesting Mm -hmm. if if he really was inspired by square enix then that name makes a lot of sense (laughs) yeah for sure it has that (laughs) same kind of gravity to it yeah, oh, like nonsensical gravity. Right. Like, I don't know. Yeah. It's just for the sake of being like intense, you know. <laughs> yeah. Like you, you remove one of those words, and it makes 
I don't know. It makes a little bit more sense, like Lost Soul or Soul Aside or something. Lost then Aside, you, yeah. Yeah, then you combine them all together and you Lost Soul Aside. And you're like, Maybe that's a little too much. I don't know. Right. It's like sort of entering the beginnings of that realm where all those Kingdom Hearts subtitles yeah. were, you know? All those super crazy, like, what What was that one, Taylor, that we always talk about? Was, was it 358 over two days? Or, yeah, 358 yeah. over two days? Is that like... I, uh, I think the, the one so I would like make... you're describing a part of a musical composition. <laughs> <laughs> the one that I always make fun of is Decidia, Final Fantasy Decidia Duodecim. Yeah, that one's <laughs> pretty wacky, too. What? I think my favorite dumb JRPG name of all time, I'm not even going to remember this, it's like... Quoga Nell of our seal oh, or something. God. It's like, <laughs> yeah. I don't even know what that means. Like th- three of those words are made up. <laughs> yeah. No, I think infinite undiscovery is the worst one. Yeah. That was pretty bad. And all that, there was that game you were playing and it's like, this isn't like a stupid name. I could just remember you had to tell it to me like 14 times before I remember. It was like Tukiden Kiwami or something. Oh, Tokiden Kiwami. Yeah. It, it's basically a monster hunter game, but yeah. <laughs> and anyways, anyways, uh, <laughs> So check out Lost Soul Aside, but we're going to kind of circle back to FF15 a little bit just because we're uh, getting close. And Nick, you wanted to ask Ben, the future of Final Fantasy, what will happen if 15 is a horrible bomb and what will happen if it's a hit? What will happen to JRPGs if it's a hit? Pretty much what would happen to uh, Final Fantasy and JRPGs if it bombs or if it's a hit? Yeah. Let's start with the first one, I guess. Uh, do you guys think that it's feasible that this game could just crash and burn, Ben? Uh, I mean, anything is possible. Um, and, and the thing is, is, it could sell, like, by most standards really well, and to Square Enix, it could still be a failure uh, based on, you know, whatever their expectations are. And what they've poured into it. Yeah, and what they've poured into it. Um, I mean... There's a Final Fantasy 15 movie coming out in theaters in a few days, so you know this. There's a lot of money changing hands for sure. Yeah. Uh, I used to think, and I said I've said this on record a lot of times. You know, back in the day, I think Final Fantasy was really the commander of the ship. You know, when Final Fantasy was doing well, you saw more big budget JRPGs on consoles, um, and I think it really kind of, at least in the West. Uh, opened the doors for that style of game uh, in the same way that Dragon Quest did uh, in the in the East. Um, but I think things have changed. Um, I think if Final Fantasy succeeds, I think the genre will reap benefits of that. Um, you know, especially if it succeeds on a very massive scale. But at the same time, if it doesn't, uh, I don't think JRPGs are going to go away. I think. You know, you're just maybe not going to see like a Sony or a Microsoft get behind them in in super big ways. But I don't think that means like, you know, Atlas is going to stop making JRPGs. Falcom is going to stop making JRPGs. And I think companies like those, uh, just because of the Internet and people's awareness of things have increased. You know, if you want really great JRPGs, uh, they're easier to find now than ever. Um, and mm-hmm. especially, you know, you're getting more things like I Am Setsuna or Undertale even, sort of these independent projects, or just like we just saw, Lost Soul Aside, uh, and Kickstarter. You know, there are these avenues now where if you want something, there's probably some that, someone out there making it for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't, I don't, I think it would be silly to say that, you know, the genre is going to be doom and gloom if 
Final Fantasy 15 fails. I don't think that's true. What about Final Ryan. Fantasy itself? Do you think we'll never see anything Final Fantasy with it? Boy, that's a totally different question. Uh, well, they already have to follow up with the FF7 remake. So that's true. It's like, that'll be kind of, if for some reason this doesn't do well, it'll be interesting in the way it puts pressure to follow up with that. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. have two, two projects with so much hype kind of more or less back-to-back. Um, I think if it does really, really, really well, I think you're going to see Tabata work on another mainline Final Fantasy 16 um, and kind of maybe continue with the same sort of... It won't maybe necessarily be the same battle system. Maybe can like continue with that sort of action RPG mindset. Um, if it doesn't do well, I wouldn't be surprised if they did more remakes or leaned a little bit more heavily on on mobile and like just changed their priorities. Right. Um, you know, and I don't think you would see Final Fantasy 16 uh, or news about it very quickly. I think it might. I don't. I wouldn't say that necessarily it wouldn't come to pass, but um, I definitely don't think you'd hear news about it very quickly. For yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's. It's interesting. They even said that they weren't going to do like a trilogy of games like they did with with thirteen and stuff like that. So, I guess they're they're like this is like a self contained thing. Whatever. They're not trying to get out like, oh well, fifteen did okay. Let's try to salvage these assets and make sequels and stuff like that. But but like you said, Ben, like anything's possible. Who knows? Maybe this kills it, and they do like, hey, you know, maybe we are going to do a sequel. But um, I almost wonder if they have some type of thing that is final fantasy 16 in pre-production like a lot of people were uh that would just be madness to me well i mean that's kind of how games work like you always have project whether it's a hundred people or like 10 people like something's probably cooking let me let me put it this way as a fan that just sounds like madness to me i i mean i'm sure back in the day that's how it was because like on PS1, they were churning those things out like every other year, pretty much. So, right. yeah, you're actually totally right. I remember reading uh, a lot of things that you know, nine, ten, and like Final Fantasy twelve were all being worked on at the same time. Wow. Um, <laughs> but I think that was an era when you know Final Fantasy seemed infinite, right? And they're like, it was a sure thing. Yeah. One hundred percent of the time, and I just get the impression that from Square Enix that that is not the same attitude that they have uh, I do sort of feel like it's kind of a do or die moment for Final Fantasy as we know it right now I'm not saying that Final Fantasy won't continue I'm not saying you're not going to get more Final Fantasy related things but just like a mainline Final Fantasy as we come to understand it and what that means could change it, it does it, do it, well. it does feel like an all out bid to reclaim the crown kind of yeah and yeah i've never seen a push like this with any final fantasy let alone any game period like you were saying ben they have there's a movie coming out they've already put out three episodes of this anime and i believe there's two or three more don't forget about the car yeah i was just gonna say they get my noctis body pillow oh i'm sure that's already out there in the wild (laughs) somewhere (laughs) yeah they they're having this i don't even know if they have mentioned how they're gonna give that away or sell it or whatever but they made a replica a real life working car of the car in the game um which is nuts like that's insane <laughs> so yeah, talk well, about all out yeah no they're they're totally gonna go out like we, we were talking earlier about like how we used to see final fantasy 7 billboards when we were kids and stuff like that like i wouldn't be surprised if like 
we're driving down the street and you see a, a bus with like a Final Fantasy 15 placard on the side of it. Like, I really think they're going to go like super all out like crazy. You, you, you know, it'd be funny is if they had a commercial on TV that like kind of start off looking like a car commercial <laughs> and then it like turned into like a Final Fantasy 15 commercial. That'd be pretty awesome. <laughs> In a way, I, I really respect it because especially at the end of the 13 trilogy, I think there's a lot of talk of, you know, does Final Fantasy matter as much as it used to? What's going on with the series? And, like, them coming out and saying, like, nope, we're still a big deal. We can put out a movie and an anime and, like, a side mobile game. Like, really going all in in a way that I think, you know, kind of takes some courage. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, it... It's exciting. Like, regardless of what happens to it, seeing it all come together in, like, this giant machine work is, is kind of cool and fun. I think that... I think for me, it, it is the circumstances surrounding Final Fantasy Fifteen that excites me, like, as much as the game itself. Because I think for a lot of us here, you know, Final Fantasy Seven, Six, or whatever kind of informed our, our gaming tastes when we were young. And, like, for me, it's almost like like a homecoming party. I'm like, yes, Final Fantasy is is back and not just back as in there's a new game, but it's like back and it matters, right? Mm -hmm. Like people are paying attention like, okay, this is it. Like can Final Fantasy redeem itself? And and I'm hoping it does. uh, They've done some really weird stuff with the way they've shown it off lately, but I'm hoping that that's just some marketing failures and that they just are trying to hold the good stuff for the game so right because well, it is like a different team than the ones who are responsible for make, making sure the game is good so if they're right if they're doing some faux pas you can at least kind of feel better knowing that it's not the same yahoos who are actually putting it together like i still can't believe i think we talked about this on the first episode even but i can't believe how bad that titan demo was at the xbox <laughs> conference yeah they had a guy who wasn't good at the game doing the demo like he just kept getting hit and I, I don't know like I, I watched a edited video after the fact i'm like oh this looks cool but doing it live was like dude that was really bad mm-hmm. so and that that for all we know that may have been people's first taste of final fantasy 15 i'm like man that's 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 rough i'm like did you see that demo ben do you know which one i'm talking about the titan yeah thing? yeah i saw it and i played it oh wow cool both, yeah did uh, you fare better than the the demo dude on the stage well it's it's interesting because Actually playing it, I, I didn't feel like you had to do very much. That it that it uh, that it guided you through like pretty well, which makes sense for an E three demo. Right. Um, but no, I didn't have I didn't have issues. But I also wasn't playing in front of a huge live audience. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's and true. I, I you know I'd played the episode. What is it? Dusuke Desk. I never know how to pronounce. I don't know either. You can yet. say it however you want, and we'll. We'll corroborate that it's correct. Okay. Uh, played that and then played Platinum Demo. So I, I played a lot of Final Fantasy fifteen before that. Um, so I don't know if that helped or not. Um, so let me ask you real quick. So, like, aside from the game running well, you said you played the first three hours. Like, had the game run well? Like, was it compelling? Were you, like, interested in playing more? Or was it just like, ooh, I don't know about this? Yeah. Uh, that's a really good question. I, I do think so um, because... There is something to the combat, and I don't think the combat... Like, if you go in expecting an action game in the way that you've played action games before, it's not going to immediately add up. And if you go in expecting an RPG, like RPGs you've played before, it's not going to add up. Like, it, it is a new feeling, new style of combat that 
definitely takes a while to click, but once it does, it's actually pretty fun. Um, and there's there's more depth there than I think uh, the game initially lets on. And so kind of wrapping my head around that, it was pretty cool. And I think the relationships between the characters, uh, there's something there as well. You know, they, they've gone out and said that this is a brotherhood, this is, you know people that mean a lot to each other. And I think the game does a fairly decent job of communicating that from what I've seen. So, Well, that's actually kind of a almost a new dynamic for a Final Fantasy because it's so typical for the games to be kind of a band of people from all over the place who have just come together for this, you know, kind of one purpose and they're all very different and kind of are getting to know each other as the game progresses. Whereas you, if you start and you kind of, it fosters this feeling of friendship and brotherhood with these guys that could really be kind of rewarding, like from mm-hmm. a, from a story perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Cause if I understand right, you, you, I mean, uh, they'll probably add characters now and again, but those four guys, that's your party for like the whole game. Like there's this other side character named, uh, I think his name's core. And I've seen him in trailers as a guy on your team. So, like, I think there's only five people in the whole game that you'll have on your team. And four of them, I think you... I mean, you've played the beginning of the game. Like, you just start as a team, right? You're not like, let's go find Prompto. Let's go find Gladio. Like, they all just start together, pretty much, I'm assuming. Yeah. Do you want me to tell you, the, the like, the very, very, very first thing that happens in the game? I don't know. Do we? <laughs> uh, I mean, it's it's been out there. Uh, Game Informer uh, stuff is reported on it. Okay. But if you don't want any spoilers at all, I totally respect that as well. It's it's not it's not a huge deal, but okay. I th- I think I know how it starts actually. I, okay. But I'm ambivalent, so you uh, just go uh, right ahead. So sure, yeah. Let's hear it. <laughs> uh, you well actually. That's actually not true. So what I played is not the very... There is a prologue that they didn't have ready. Or not that they didn't have ready. They weren't showing us. So I guess what I saw when I first sat down for the demo may not be what everyone sees when they play it. But the the point I started at, you and your three friends are pushing a car um, because it's broken down. Okay, that's what I thought. That's that's how it begins. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Well, that's good to hear that... Like. So did it? So you had the the combat, which you know it sounds like you get used to, and then it's fun. But like from a story perspective, are you like interested to see where that goes? How all the characters connect? Because I know that the whole thing is about like this crystal that gets taken from your the city you live in, and you're like on the run and stuff like that. So does that whole thing seem compelling to you? Like trying to unravel all that? Yeah, it does. Uh, I, I'm a little hesitant to comment on that because what I played, you know, it, it was in Japanese and you were reading subtitles and it, you know, it, it had the sense different. that it wasn't the full thing and that it will feel different and you'll get a sort of different vibe when you're playing the fully localized version. And so it was definitely intriguing, but I, I also got a sense, you know, that it will feel very, very different when I'm playing the final thing. Sure. Yeah, there, there is a weird disconnect, at least for me, well, like when I'm playing a game and reading subtitles as opposed to hearing it in English, like if I'm playing Persona 4 and I hear the voice actors, I'm like, I, you know, I can understand it without having to read it and I connect with it. But then I'm playing like Tokyo Mirage sessions and it's like there's some weird disconnect. I don't know how to put it into words in a way. You just have to like feel it out, I think. Mm-hmm. And for people that have played both ways, you probably understand where I'm coming from. But yeah, I wonder if that's part of it too, that it's not with the English voices or do I mean, do you even have that like the problem that I'm talking about or can you kind of get connected regardless of the language? Um, 
I, I, it depends on how I'm introduced to things. So I think in the case of Final Fantasy 15, it's a little bit weird because I've heard some English voices and I've heard Japanese voices. And so it's all like, it's kind of all over the place and there's not consistency there. Whereas like when I'm sitting down with a full game, if it's just one language, I can kind of settle in and get used to it and get immersed. But, you know, if I'm just seeing like little vertical slices and all those vertical slices are, are a little bit different each time, um, that lack of consistency makes it hard to kind of get invested, I guess. Sure. Um, but like for Yakuza, for example, that's that's all in Japanese. And even Tokyo Mirage Sessions, that's all in Japanese. And, you know, a lot of times I really like Japanese voice acting. And so um, it's not really an issue. As long as the subtitles are easy to read, which some games are better at than others. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, any closing thoughts you guys wanted to tack on to Final Fantasy fifteen discussion? Well, I don't know. I don't know if we got you and Nick's point of view. Like, how do you think what will happen to Final Fantasy if it if it fails? Because I think I know, I know we brought up the seven remake. I think regardless, that game's coming out. They're doing whatever the three parts or whatever they talked about. I think I think that thing has a fan base all of its own, regardless of how fifteen comes. You know what I mean? Because right. there's like people kind of know what to expect even if it bombs there will be a a contingency that stays loyal no matter what yeah right um so i yeah anyway i don't know where i was going with that but (laughs) (laughs) well i was just gonna say like if it bombs like i think final fantasy as a franchise kind of like godzilla so you could like you could hit him with the nuclear bomb and force him he you know he goes back into the ocean wounded but you know you wait long enough you will rise again mm-hmm. you know so i i think even even if the worst happens and the game is is really poorly received i think it they'll just kind of take a long time to regroup maybe put out some, like some smaller stuff you know ios stuff like you were saying and then they'll try their hand again eventually and and if it succeeds then i think they just ride that wave to the ff7 remake and mm-hmm. then god knows how high that tsunami is going to be by oh the time gosh. that lands. So yeah, I almost wonder like, if it's like if everything. It's one of those situations where if everything breaks right, it can really just catapult Square Enix. Oh yeah, and, and one thing we're totally not even considering. I mean, I know it's not Final Fantasy, but just money wise for Square Enix. I mean, right. Kingdom Hearts is not far off the horizon. Hopefully, uh, <laughs> yeah, <the> Square Enix <laughs> wants to hang out with Blizzard and uh, count stacks of bills. Yeah, exactly. I just want to see what they do with the, the I am Setsuna style of games. Yeah. Um, I, I think that could be super interesting. I'll be curious. Hopefully I, people keep buying that game. You know? Yeah. Um, I, I guess just one quick last thought. I, well, they, I have to go. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Go. Sorry. I thought that was your do, point. Do you guys agree with me that this, they are trying to appeal to the Western audience a lot with this game. Like they're trying to bring them in. Uh, yeah, I think I think there is a more obvious and concerted effort to try to appeal to more to the West. And I think one thing that maybe a lot of people didn't realize is I think Final Fantasy has always sold better in the West, or like as time has gone on, it sold better in the West. Um, and I don't think it's necessarily overtly a Japanese. It's not Japanese in a way like Persona is Japanese, right? Like, you're like in, it is stylistically. Right, but you're not like in Tokyo or whatever. You know, you're like yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, I think you know it totally is because now it's like truly open world, and that's what people love here. We got the Fallout's, The Witcher, Skyrim, all that stuff. So I think people are like, oh yeah, I can get my car and drive around and explore. And I think that's kind of what the West is into these days. Well, I think the marketing kind of just 
like leaning that way kind of just coincided with the fact that they were making the game that way, you know, where it's like, they're kind of like, Oh wow. We're, we're kind of going with the open world kind of thing. Okay. Then we can, we can package it like this, you know, we can sell it like this. So, you know, it's just, that's how marketing works. And it, it makes sense that way. And it's really funny. Cause if you go way back to when it was called versus 13, like even that game was way more open than any of the, 13 trilogy games like those games are obviously very linear we know that but 13 or versus 13 there were a lot of moments where you're like in this open forest area or you're like in a city and you're like walking around the city so i think even back then uh it almost seemed like it was appealing more to the western audience and i remember they were both announced the same day and i think even way back then at least for me i remember being way more interested in versus 13 just because it it kind of was reminiscent of seven because it was more modern. Like you were in this big city. It reminded me of Midgar a little bit at the time, but now it's clearly not anything like Midgar. Um, but I think, yeah, I, I think to answer Nick's question, I think, yeah, totally. It's definitely trying to appeal to the Western audience, maybe even more t- intentionally than in the past. Do you think the same way, Ben? Uh, yeah, I, I, I definitely think it's, trying to appeal to the western audience yeah i I mean i think but i think final fantasy has been trying to appeal to the west very overtly forever as well so it seemed to have worked out for him decently but uh, yeah definitely but uh with that we're gonna move on to something that i've been looking forward to feverishly we're gonna do a little lightning round with ben where we're gonna throw out some quick questions and get some short answers uh, we cooked up a few that we think might be interesting, so we might even we throw in some others that aren't written down yeah, just we, for if fun. We, <laughs> if we think of some on the fly, we'll just yeah, you guys toss them in. I like this a lot. Yeah, yeah. So let's jump right in. So Ben, you're stuck on a desert island with one JRPG soundtrack you're choosing. What do you go with? Chrono Trigger. Boom, easy. Okay. Uh, if you could pick one or. Let me see. If you could turn one JRPG game or franchise into an anime series, what would you pick? A lot of the JRPGs that I would pick are already anime series. Right. Uh, I, I thought, yeah, so I guess they're they're uh, they're exempt. Um, huh. I wonder what a Shadow Hearts anime would look like. Ooh, Ooh st- the style of that game could be really cool in an anime. Yeah, I'm gonna go with that. Okay, okay. it's a little dark. It's a little uh, brooding. I like it. What's the worst JRPG you ever bought, Ben? Uh, Time Stalkers on Dreamcast is pretty horrible. Um, <laughs> Dreamcast like seems like a like a likely graveyard for the answer to that question to lie in. Yeah, it was. I, it's probably not the worst JRPG I've ever played. It's it's a pretty bad one though. I know it has its fans, but I also think Quest sixty four is pretty garbage. <laughs> just, just give us a short like two minute sell job on why it's total crap. Uh, Quest 64 or Time Stalkers? Uh, Time Stalkers. Um, so the combat system is super slow and there's not much to it. So you're doing this thing that doesn't have a lot of depth and it's taking forever. So that's, <laughs> that sucks. Uh, the localization is also horrendous. Like when characters talk, it's like nails on a chalkboard, uh, kind of bad. So yeah, I, I don't. I actually don't remember all that much about it because it's been forever since I played it. And also because it's bad. And also because it's bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's uh, satisfactory. No redeeming qualities. That's uh, yeah, that's a good one. Okay, what's the crown jewel of your gaming collection or your most prized uh, physical copy? 
Yeah, um, I've got I've got a lot of games, but I, I don't have like a ton of super super rare stuff. I guess the two that I have that I'm pretty proud of that are cool. Um, I have like a really nice condition full copy of Hazard Dragoon Saga. Ooh, wow. Which I nice. still have not played, nice. but I, I do have it. Um, but it looks so pretty, though. It does. It does look very pretty. I, I also have the cartridge of Earthbound. Um, no way. I don't, have anyth- I don't have anything else. But Dude, I, do. I just spotted that at uh, Space Cats over here in San Jose mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago. 220 bucks for the NES or Super Nintendo cartridge. Jeez. That much? I, see, I got mine for 80 bucks, which I thought was a pretty good price. Yeah, that's yeah, a steal, man. Yeah, or at least compared to what these jokers are asking. Space Cats is always overpriced. Well, yeah, I'm just like... Even for being overpriced, that's high. You know, I, I feel like I remember going in there and seeing like Parasite Eve two for like a hundred bucks. I'm like, you're out of your mind. Yeah, maybe, maybe <laughs> I, I love Parasite Eve, but it is not worth the hundred. No way. <laughs> maybe no I way. shouldn't have bought Saga Frontier for thirty five bucks. There, <laughs> I probably could have gotten it for like ten somewhere else. Oh. You get Parasite Eve for ten dollars on PSN. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. So I guess you could say the same thing about Earthbound. Uh, you but. digital kids. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. I love the PSN classics. Anyways. Not even $10, $5 or $6 or something. Sorry. Yeah, I, for, I forgot that not all of them are 10 You can get some serious steals on there. There's some four ninety nines. I mean, mm-hmm. anyways, uh, moving on. What is the hardest JRPG you've ever beaten? Um, I feel like you we're going to get people that are going to say it's not that hard. But, man, it was hard for me. Um, That's all that matters. Doing, doing everything in Shin Megami Tensei uh, Devil Survivor. Um, that was Which, around the time when I was like just super getting into Shin Megami Tensei, um, and I remember like the eighth day on the Overclock 3DS version, really raking me over the coals. Um, <laughs> but but I did get through it. Which which one was that in the series? So it's a spinoff. Uh, it's like a it's a there's strategy RPGs kind of mixed with uh, first person Dragon Quest style combat. So it's they're really fantastic. Like I, I hold the Devil Survivor series, both one and two, in like really high regard. I think those are like nine out of ten games. Mm, wow, that's a good nugget to to take with me here. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, uh, how about what's your favorite non RPG game of all time? Uh, Metal Gear Solid for sure. Oh, uh, it's tough. It it always comes down between. Well, like, do you consider Dark Souls a JRPG? Ooh, yeah, I mean, okay. We're on the fence there, yeah. Because if I, it's on the fence, we'll just say something less RPG like. Sure, Metal Gear Solid, the original. The original, okay, for sure. Yeah, I always remembered that game, like being such a classic like that. Even before I ever played it, just because I was a big PSM reader, and like, like their review of it was like it was the new Bible. You oh, know, loved, just like five out of five, everything game, is yeah. perfect, and then. Two came out and it got. That was when they moved to the ten point scale and it got full ten out of ten. Just yeah. like number it, number one on all their greatest game countdowns. Like, I think if you're coming to Metal Gear Solid One for the first time now, like I still think it hits pretty hard. Like I still think it's a good game, but if you played it at the time of release, uh, it was something else. And I wish I could like transport people back to that moment. It's a goddamn Odyssey. It did so yeah. many things that had never, ever been done or even considered. Yeah, it was one of those moments where you really thought to yourself, like, oh, video games can do this. Yeah, kind of that, that was Kojima walking in on the uh, platform, or coming in on the platform being carried by his subjects, you know, mm-hmm. being fanned with palm Walking leaves. down the light, the light uh, lit up 
platforms in E3. Exactly. Anywho, moving on. Oh, this should be a fun one. Michael Huber or Bradley Ellis? Choose one. <laughs> I don't know. Like they're they're. It's weird because they're best friends, but they're polar opposites. I don't. Oh, I hate playing favorites. Um, you, no, it's that's the best part of this question. Is that we, <laughs> you can, you have to pick them on absolutely no basis at all. <laughs> if you want to go eeny meeny miny mo to save your uh, save your skin, that's acceptable. I'll let you go with that. Oh man, I think can I outright refuse questions? Oh. I, I might refuse this one. Okay, okay. I'll I've, give you. I'll give you I'll a pass this, this time. I've, I've, I've known Michael Huber uh, quite a bit longer, um, and so I, I think I'm probably... All right, Michael Huber it is. Sounds good. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> yeah. I love them. I do love them both. Just, pick Don't, just you wait till Bradley hears about this. Oh, God. He's, he's, he's not going to be just happy. Gonna, that's, that's the thing. Though. That's why Brad's so great is he's just going to laugh. Like, it's not even going to be a big deal. He'll get his... Uh, oh, I, don't even, I can't remember that character's name now. The guy from Star Wars... The bad guy, the new one, bad guy. Kylo, Kylo Ren. Ren. Thank you. He'll get his Kylo Ren costume out and yeah. haunt your dreams. <laughs> radio master of radio, Taylor Hoyt over here. Yeah. Here, uh, pick up thing. Pick, yeah. pick another set of allies. Do it. Oh, uh, uh, we, we no, had another no. question lined up. Is is Kyle Bossman truly a troll in real life, or does he just kind of play that up for content? Oh, he definitely trolls. Um, <laughs> but I think sometimes, like Kyle, Kyle is also like the sweetest person ever like like i don't he does troll and he does you know play things up but i i do think there is like a super genuine very nice empathetic human being there uh that 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 makes him so wonderful you know i don't think he'd be able to do all the things that he does if that wasn't true right because it would it would come off different much differently yeah, yeah it would come off very differently for sure I, yeah, I just the thing that got me was how he was able to skirt around him and Huber's E3 bet. He like streamed <laughs> somebody else playing a game that he didn't want to play instead of streaming himself. I'm like talking about a loophole. <laughs> I the the fallout from that and everything that happened is hilarious. Like, and it's it's probably a good sign, you know, that people are so invested in it that they they get worked up like that, but. And then the the trial of Kyle Bot. I watched that whole thing. That was just unbelievable. Yeah, <laughs> I was just laughing the whole time at oh, work. Great stuff. Yeah, it was fun to be a part of. <clears throat> all right, all right. We're well, moving on. We got a couple more here. Um, okay, which what do I go with here? Okay, how about this? Greatest meal you ever ate? Ha. Uh, <laughs> I I have it like every week, but um, that's see- just fine. Yeah, Sujita, there's it's this this ramen shop here in LA and like it is the best food I've ever had. It is wow. and every, and the thing is is I thought it was just like me being Ben Moore, uh, but everybody I've taken to it uh, has walked away like super impressed. Like maybe it's not their favorite thing ever, but uh, they really love it and want to come back. And so, well, hot damn! You, I'm, gonna, yeah. I'm gonna have to get more, uh, more details on this place for next time I make my way down south. Oh, it's so good, man. Well, sounds sounds like you're living large, and it's not expensive. It's like you know, twelve, thirteen bucks. Boom! I wonder if it's like a Renji. Okay, okay. So uh, this one, I know where the other guys in this conversation stand on this, but the silent protagonist, cool or annoying? Oh, I mean, like anything else, I think it can either be cool or annoying depending on who does it. Um, you know, there are silent protagonists that I think work exceptionally well in those that I think work poorly. So, like, I'm not inherently against it, if that is the question. Well, allow me to probe then. Like, what, what do you think is a good 
silent protagonist where they where they nailed it and it worked. I think Gordon Freeman is like a oh, quintessential dude. silent protagonist. I love you so much right now. Yeah. I'm such a Half-Life dork, and I know this is a JRPG cast, but good yeah. word. I was like, you just floored me with that answer because I totally forgot about Gordon Freeman. Yeah, and the, the thing that makes Gordon Freeman work is he's not just a vessel for you. Like, you feel like there is a Gordon Freeman character that has these interactions with people while also being a conduit for your own experiences. Like, Half-Life 2 is an amazingly constructed game. Uh, on so many different levels, and I think its characters are a part of that. So Yeah, I, I always loved when I was playing as Gordon Freeman, just picturing, like, you know, people are talking to you all the time, and you're just responding to them with, like, this badass, stoic, like, look, nod, you know? <laughs> just yeah, word, just... the wordless badass. Uh, dude, great answer on that. Okay, so two more. Or actually, no, last one. Was there a specific moment when it hit you, like, holy crap, we can really talk about video games for a job? Like, what did that feel like? It felt like I was cheating. Um, that's what it felt like, but in a really great way. Uh, was there a specific moment? Uh, like, like you, you get invited to this certain event, or XYZ happens, and you just go, oh, oh crap, like, we're, we're doing it now. Um, I have I have two moments that are that kind of like gave me different things, but they're both related. Um, and so the first one was when I was an intern at Game Trailers, and it was like it's kind of funny because I wasn't getting any money whatsoever, a totally unpaid internship, and I had to spend a lot of money to be out there. But it, I remember like going into the office and like spending that full first day and being like, I can't believe people actually do this. And the thing is, is I wasn't just walking into it like for for a long time, like. I really wanted to write about games. It was like what I dreamed about. It was my passion. And like, it's one of those things where I had built it up so much in my mind and then it actually ended up meeting those expectations. So that was super cool. Yeah, that's hard. That's the hard phenomenon to find. It really is. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, The other one I think is totally hilarious. Um, I'm sure it's going to come out across the wrong way for some people, but uh, I remember it was like the first or second year I was working at Game Trailers like full time, and I was going to review Call of Duty Ghosts, which is not a good Call of Duty game. Like we didn't give it a great score or anything. <laughs> that was but... the one I. That was the first one I decided to ever buy. Oh, <laughs> Actually, <man. laughs> so sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't. I really don't. I have no love for that game, but um, that's the only Call of Duty I think I've reviewed. I went to an event this 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 review event because they always do a review event for call of duty and like the pure opulence on display was like hilarious and disgusting and you couldn't believe (laughs) that it was happening for like a video game release like you they would take you in these like super big black suvs and you get out and there'd be like this woman that had like your name on it and like you'd go to this super nice hotel room with like ridiculously fancy food and like (laughs) i remember ostentatious yeah, it is. It was like it was completely nuts. I remember like actually laughing because they were doing all of this stuff, and then I had spent an entire day playing the game, and I'm like, this game is not very good. Like, <laughs> <laughs> just that. Yeah, it was totally, totally ridiculous. Well, glad um, all that was worth it. Yeah, and it's it's it honestly really turned me off of review events because it feels like. Like, you just want to be there and you just want to, like, play the game and evaluate the game. And they're, like, trying to do all of this stuff that has nothing to do with the game. Just trying you know? trying to get you kind of in their pocket, I guess. Yeah, and it's so much better 
I, I, this doesn't happen very often, but there are a few people out there that are super good about this, where they'll give you a game like a month ahead of embargo, and they, they'll just give it to you, and they'll just leave you alone. And that's the best. That, that just puts you in the best situation. There's so much trust being shown there, you know? And yeah. It's like that's really empowering to, to be treated like that. It is, and I think people are screwing it up. We just got an email for a game, like we just got a code for a game, and in the email they had to say, please don't sell this code online. Because wow. apparently people have been, who have been getting review codes have been selling them online, and you're just like, holy shit, man. Like, you are ruining this for everybody else. Yeah, um, absolutely. It's like they're trying to put out fires as they're trying to get reviews. Yeah, yeah. and I, I, because of that, I've seen certain places that used to be super chill and give us things way early – you know, have to button down and give it to you much closer to release. Um, and you don't, you don't blame them if, if people are being idiots and like compromising, you know, their game like that. Well, so. I almost wonder if this new age of YouTube has, has really done that. Cause there's so many just like one off. It's just the guy doing it himself or whatever. And like, yeah, I, mean, I bet there's been just countless of, of those types of people where they're not a part of any kind of organization or anything, and they just ha- happen to have a popular YouTube channel, and they got a code. That independence and, is so valuable for getting like unbiased kind of stuff, as long as you know they make good content. Well, you know, it was funny. On the latest uh, Easy Allies podcast, Brandon sort of went on this tirade about um, uh, getting like something about no man's sky about like people breaking the street date. And then he's like, well, good luck having a good relationship with those people in the future. When you basically, you know, bought the game when you weren't supposed to and reviewed it before they wanted you to and stuff like that. So I have not heard that rent yet, but oh, dude, uh-uh. he, he got, he was so mad and he doesn't get mad. So it was really funny to see him get, let just go off the rails like that. That's a good plug there too. Yeah. Go listen <laughs> to the latest episode of easy allies podcast. Well, that kind of that last one kind of sparked its own little topic there, but that concludes the lightning round, dude. That was fun. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the last segment, which we will kind of speed through because we are having fun, taking a while, is the System by System JRPG Beginner's Handbook, which we are very happy to have been along for this time. And so we thought we would pick a system with a wide variety of options for when Ben joined us. So we're going with the PS2. We're going to decide, or we're going to share which games we think would be the best for a beginner on the PS2. So uh, as far as going first, naturally, Ben, what do you got? Yeah, so I think when it comes down to, like, what is a good suggestion for a beginner, um, I think you just give them, like, the best thing. You know, like right. uh, rather than like try to give them something that maybe is like approachable or accessible or something, just give them like the best example because that way they're more apt to fall in love with it if there's so much goodness there. And it's tough because the PS2 is like really rich with JRPGs. Like I think Final Fantasy X could be good. Um, I think Dark Cloud could be good. I think a lot of things should be good, but mm. something that to me that is like super distinct about the PS2 that you can't get anywhere else um, that really has its own flavor and style is Shadow Hearts. And I think the best of those is Shadow Hearts Covenant. Um, and so I think that would be a really good game for somebody because it has great characters. It has a fascinating story, which I think is important. I don't think for a beginner you can just rely on mechanics. I think there has to be more to it than that. Um, but it also has really good mechanics to it. So it's kind of the whole deal. Yeah, yeah I, I love that in their battle system there's a skill-based element a la, mm-hmm. a la you know, Legend of Dragoon or games like that. And there's more than one like institution like that, right, Nick, where you have to time something... 
Yeah, so you, it's crazy. Compared to the first one, this one you could customize your judgment ring, which is the ring that you see that spins around, that has the little thing that spins around. Mm-hmm. You can make like the things bigger, or you make the critical hits larger and stuff like that. It's crazy what you could do with this game. And then there's like different rings you could get, which one has like no critical hits, but it always uh, it's easier to hit. Right. Or there's you one that so you like, could totally suit your own style. Yeah, it's crazy uh, what you could do in this game. Um, the thing that surprised me about Shadowheart's Covenant is it's 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 a lot more lighthearted than the first one. The mm. first one was super dark. And, well, with a name like Shadowhearts, I mean, you're really what are you trying to evoke there? You know, it's pretty yeah, obvious. right. It's just it's like it's super like in the first Shadowhearts, the first like area you're in is like a haunted village, and whenever it's night, the village just becomes filled with corpses and blood everywhere because everyone in that village is like a demon fox, and it just eats. It eats like humans, and mm. that's all the corpses that you see. And I, I was need like, to play it, this game. It just Jesus. got like super dark. It's like whoa, whoa! It's really bloody, and whoa! And then Shadowhearts too. It's not like that. You have like a gypsy dancing, and the guy is going, "Yeah, dance for me!" And it's like, uh, his tone's yeah, completely it different. Have been, <laughs> would not have been a scene you saw in the first one. Even Yuri, the main character, or the main character of the first one, I think he's the main character in the second one too. It's kind of confusing with the cover art. But um, he's different. Like in the first one, he's really dark and brooding. In this one, he's like like he's just sarcastic and funny. Mm-hmm. Cool. I like the answer, Ben. It's a l- I think a little bit off of what n- people would normally guess or well, normally that's suggest. What we're going for. Yeah, I love I love that. That's perfect. Um, I there's a part of me that wanted to say Dragon Quest Eight, but and, and as great as I think that game is, uh, I think there are reasons why maybe I wouldn't have it be someone's very first JRPG. Like right. the, is it the, so. the necessity of grinding? Um, yeah, it's the, it's the the grinding uh, for sure. It is the the difficulty spikes, and while I think like the story is actually very good, um, maybe if it is your first JRPG, you might not play enough to fully appreciate it or get sucked in. Right. And so I think maybe like being more accustomed to the genre and then jumping in, you might be more apt to appreciate it. So very solid. Uh, so I'll go next. Sure. Uh, so my choice is a game that I think has the perfect scaling of difficulty where it starts out and, you know, there's only one or two things you can do in the battle system and it really, it's an action RPG based battle system where you can create combos that can chain together your own combos uniquely and there's all these different weapon types you could use and each one has their own combos and as far as like action rpgs with like a hard leveling and you know classic jrpg structure i think radiata stories is about as good as you can get Hmm. ben have you heard of that game i have i think i i think i own that game and i have never played it you and me both brother this yeah. is exciting to hear. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, I have to say, uh, I think its recruitment system with its depth and intrigue can be rivaled pretty much only by Sukaden 2. Uh, I don't remember exactly how many characters there are to recruit, but all I know is in the main like headquarters city of Radiata, where most of the game takes place, by the end of the game, you can basically have every single denizen of the town who has a name on your party. And, like... And a lot of them, it's like you have to have so-and-so and so-and-so and and you put them in your party and then go talk to their friend and then they'll join your party. And it's like every character is super unique. The art is great and bright and really, really appealing to the eye. And like there's the characters are all drastically different 
it's pretty impressive the just the diversity that they managed to squeeze into this one town where the most of the game takes place. And then it's got the action RPG side to it, which is hard to pull off and get me to like it, but they pretty much just nailed it. I discovered this game completely by accident, and it is pretty much my favorite PS2 game. Yeah, he besides was me maybe that. Armored Core 2 or 3. He Connor did a really hard sell job on this game. I think me, he, me and Nick both bought it because of Connor. And I, I actually played it a little bit, so I can I feel like I can vouch for, for what Connor said. I haven't beat it or really like dove in like a ton, but I could totally like feel comfortable recommending it for sure. Yeah, I'd, awesome. like, I'd give it maybe like a nine, nine and a half out of ten if I had to go with the number scale. But I was going to play, but then Connor's like, "No, you got to play with me." <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, "Okay, yeah, I'll wait for I, you." You must enjoy enjoy it with the with the guru. But yeah, that's mine, Taylor. What do you got? <sighs> Radiata stories again. Okay, um, I've been. I had a couple games in mind. Um, <laughs> this is gonna be super like predictable for me. But I'll, I'm going to explain why, because I, I think it makes sense. But I'm going to pick Persona 4, the, the original. <laughs> um, and I'm going to tell you why. So there was this really crazy stretch when it was like after Final Fantasy X came out where I just stopped paying attention to game news or magazines. My, all I did was I would buy the next Final Fantasy and I would buy the next Madden every year. I, I was that guy. I remember that era. And I just wasn't into games. And so... What I did was uh, uh, I was in South Korea, so I, did, I wasn't able to bring games with me. I just had my PSP, and I was just replaying old games and stuff like that. And then I remember I came back, and I watched the Persona 4 review on game trailers. Uh, way better. This was 2010, I think, is when I came back. So I watched it. I'm like, dude, this game is like Harvest Moon meets Final Fantasy. This game looks amazing. And I think game trailers gave it like a 9-6 or so. They gave it like a really high score. And Game Trailers is pretty infamous for never never wanting to give uh, a 10 out of 10. Um, so I sought this game out, and uh, I found it at a GameStop, and this was when you know they were get just bargain binning PS2 games. And the, there was one game uh, GameStop just happened to have it, and I'm like, okay, this is awesome. And I just marathon the ever loving crap out of that game, like. It, it got it, it almost got me back into JRPGs in a way. Um, well, your love of Persona Four is quite well documented. Absolutely, and, and I would say, like, obviously, if you have a choice, play the Vita version. But if we're only going on PS2, like the the PS2 version is still great. Uh, you know, we've I'm wearing a Persona Four shirt right now, actually, which is pretty funny. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, just the, I think the characters, like, you can get attached to the characters, like, in a really deep way, and I think that's the hallmark of any great JRPG is like characters that you care about and stuff like that. And there's just so many systems that tie well into each other and you can, it, it, you know, I think a lot of times JRPGs have pacing problems, but the, the beauty of persona games is that you can, the pacing can be however you want. You can just tackle the story or you can do side stuff or grind or whatever. Yeah. So that would be my totally predictable get, uh, answer. (laughs) You would get no argument from any of us. Yeah. Hey, that's, that's a good recommendation. Persona three, no, Persona, uh, Persona, three. Hey, Persona three or four, both both are excellent recommendations. Well, Nick, that leaves it to you to share your contribution and wrap up the pod. And I'm I'm gonna, I have a game in mind, but we'll see if Nick guesses. If okay. That's what he. I was I was thinking about this, and then I'm like, and you, you can't know, say the Tales of Destiny remake because we don't <laughs> we can't play Japanese here. 
yeah. I'm not going to talk about the Tales of Destiny remake. Okay. I was going to be like, Grandia 2. And then I was like, I talk about Grandia every yeah, single episode. When we, when we were doing the PS1 version, you picked Grandia 1. So so I'm not going to pick Grandia 2. I don't want to have to suplex game. you through this folding table. But <laughs> I think this is... A good, a uh, really good game. Uh, Tales of the Abyss. Mm, that was my guess that you were gonna say. <laughs> it's. Uh, I remember beautiful art. Yeah, beautiful oh, yeah. art. Uh, really great. good Tales game. Um, the pr- sequel to Symphonia's the Symphonia system. And I like Abyss, but don't like Symphonia, which is kind of funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, yeah, I loved that game uh, when I first brought it up. Uh, when I first saw it, I picked Legend, uh, Tales of Legendia and Tales of the Abyss. And I was like, which one should I buy? Tales of Legendia and then a I, horrible name, by and the then way. I, yeah, I know. <laughs> and then I picked Tales of Legendia, and I played it. And I was like, this is weird. This does not feel like a Tales game. And I realized it's made by like the Soul Calibur team. Yeah. I'm like, that's odd. And then I picked up Tales of the Abyss uh, like a year later. I'm like, this is a Tales game. This is way yeah. better. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And I'm like, I can't believe I picked that one instead of uh, Abyss. But that game's great. Uh, has great story, great characters. The battle the ma- system and like ability and equipment systems are awesome. Too. Yeah, exactly. The skill system and the um, how you earn arts is really cool. Plus, I always thought Phonon was fun to say. Yeah, Phonon. It's like music is your power, pretty mm. much. Is it music? Something like that. Yeah, something like that, right? Like, Yeah, I, I'm kind of on the same train is connor like the 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 words that they've made up for that game are just fun to say like yeah. phone master ion and like the the cities and stuff like that i, I don't remember yeah the way no wait that's final fantasy 12 <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> and the, just the way jude would always say words no, no it's not jude uh, jade 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 is just an awesome character overall yeah, yeah overall. He's, he's, he's a big part of why i love that yeah, game super sarcastic very condescending which yeah it's like really funny Always shutting down Luke in the most subtle, awesome ways possible. Oh. You're just such a baby, Luke. Yeah. Ouch. <laughs> well, that's a, one thing that, that I should tell. It's Luke is annoying. The protagonist. The protagonist is annoying for the first, like, couple hours. and um, First, like, ten hours. Yeah. <laughs> that's, 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 like, the beginning that's of the game, couple. okay? For a JRPG, at least. Um, but then he, he grows up, and it... Well, you find out why. Yeah, you find There's out like why, a, yeah. and he, he, he turns into a cool character. Um, I can, I can uh, attest to that. Yes. Jade, by the way, in this, the, the cameo battle in Sisteria, greatest battle in the world. Oh, man, I can only imagine. <laughs> it's one of my he has the same voice characters. actor and everything. It's great. The scene, Jade, in the style of Sisteria, it's great. Well, what's, what's really funny to go back to abyss is that the same voice actor that plays uh yosuke in persona 4 is luke and i, I just can't separate the two i'm like oh yosuke's in this game that's cool <laughs> <laughs> and he's a well, whiny he's a whiny brat well yeah. that's marvelous i think that concludes uh this edition of the jrpg beginner's handbook with special guest ben of course and the episode as well so before we go ben of course thank you again for your time and uh being awesome mm-hmm well, thank you. This, this is always a good time. Uh, having done several podcasts, it's definitely one of my favorites. Beautiful, man. Thanks for the kind words. And uh, do you have anything you'd like to plug, man? You got any stuff coming out? No Man's Sky review, right? Yeah, No Man's Sky review. Um, I mean, just easy allies in general. I, I hate plugging things, but it is it is definitely no. a necessary easable. I, in, um, I insist. Yeah, so... If, yeah, easyallies.com. Um, we... If you want a good sense of who we are, I guess, though, I think that the number one thing is we stream every weekday on Twitch. 
um, and it's a different person every day. Uh, and also we do a group stream on Tuesday, uh, and that kind of gives you a vibe of, of who we are and what we do. And the two podcasts do a good job of that as well, which you could find on SoundCloud and YouTube and iTunes and Google Play, pretty much everywhere. Um, the Easy Allies podcast, hosted by Kyle Bosman, who does a wonderful job. And then uh, I also host Frame Trap, which the Easy Allies podcast is about news and current events, and it's usually between an hour and an hour and a half. And Frame Trap is just kind of talking about games, a uh, very loose format, and uh, that's about two to two and a half hours usually. Oh, perfect for those long days of work. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's when I listen to them. Yeah, that's when, that's when I do most of my podcast consumption. I mean, I work at a construction site, so having those long-form conversations sometimes just really just makes the day melt away. It's awesome. Yeah, no, I, I totally envision, like, frame trap being something you have on in the background because that's i do that with a lot of podcasts and i love it so yeah all right man well thanks so much and this concludes episode six of the giant sword podcast